Hey, good morning, guys. It's Pastor Randy here with Made Free Church. Hope you guys are having a great morning. This is today's church service. Let me move this over here. Uh, good news. Got some uh, uh, good news that uh, I want to share with you guys. Uh, Made Free Church Idaho is going to be launched um, in the next, hopefully in the next month. So keep that in your prayers. Um, we've found a building to hold services. Uh, we don't have much of a presence here in Idaho yet, so keep that in your prayers. And we don't have the financial means, but we're just believing that God's just going to do whatever he's going to do because we believe that he's sovereign and, and we believe that he's just going to do whatever he wants to do because that's just who God is, right? So, um, turn on some little bit of music here for background stuff. There we go. And uh, so we're just believing that God's just going to do what he wants to do with this. So, um, but so good news that we're there. You know what I mean? We have um, a building um, from a friend of mine um, and uh, God bless him. And um, I don't think he wants his name to be known, but you know, uh, it's just an amazing how God is working here in Idaho and, and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, it's, it's really amazing. We're, we're really blessed to uh, uh, to be out here. It's just been an amazing adventure for the last month and a half being out here in Idaho. It's so beautiful. It's I think it's the best move that I've ever made in my life so far. <laughs> best decision. All right, so uh, we're going to be in, we're still in the Book of Romans, guys. And we're going to, this this one's called Saved by, by Works. By good works or or by faith, we're going to be in Romans chapter four. We just finished Friday, uh, Romans chapter three, verse thirty-one. So we're going to be in verses chapter four, verses one through five today. All right. So guys, um, just a quick announcement, guys. If you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. We have a whole intercessory prayer team set up to pray over your requests. We pray over them all week, um, and we focus on those all week. So. Guys, please go to madefreechurch.org. We have a little prayer request tab, and uh, you know, or you can hit me up on Facebook and uh, send your stuff there, and and uh, be sure to get it over to our prayer team. Okay, all right. So let's get into this. I can't wait. Oh, I love the Word of God, Heavenly Father. We just thank you for your Word. We thank you for this time, God, and we thank you for the opportunity that we get to get. Just to coming into an online church service, maybe some of us can't get out, or maybe it's just more convenient or whatever, Lord. And, and we just want to say thank you for the building that we get, Lord, and that we're getting, and uh, all that good stuff. And um, and we just ask God that you just do a mighty work in uh, Made Free Church, and just do a mighty work into the people who listen on the podcasting and on YouTube and Facebook, God. And, just bless them with every uh, spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's get into this, guys. So, you know, in October uh, 22nd, 1996, the headlines of the Times of London cried out, Lost Forever, a nation's heritage looted by its own people. Afghan's National Museum in Kabul is in rubble, said the newspaper, right? See, this museum once held one of the world's largest multicultural antique collections. Persian, Indian, Chinese, Central Asians, 
and and beyond that too but the the mu Mudition rebels blasted into the vaults and shattered display cases and looted the relics and sold them here and there around the world for quick cash. And rockets slammed into the museum's roof, burying the ancient bronze under tons of debris. Pottery of prehistory was thrown into bags like cheap china. The, the, the Bagram collection, one of the greatest archaeological finds in the 20th century, disappeared nearly 40,000 coins from the world's oldest oldest uh, 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 you know that were found the oldest coins found just vanished see the museum wants uh, a respiratory uh, recitatory of the Afghan history it became a military outpost and the storied past has been ruined and unbridled present right the nation has lost its history. With no history, there's no heritage. And with no heritage from the past, there's no legacy for the future. Same thing could happen to the Church of Jesus Christ. Contemporary Christians are interested in recent trends, current challenges, and modern methods. So, and so, and, you know, and so am I, you know what I mean? But nothing braces me to face these days like visiting a cloud of witnesses that compromised church history. Alexander uh, Sholinskin uh, once observed that if you don't know your history, we will simply have endured the same mistakes, sacrifices, and absurdities all over again. And you know, that's like the old saying is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, what's called insanity. Um, right? And he also says this, how shall we labor in any effect to build the church as church uh, this is what Philip Scaff said uh, as church uh, if we have no thorough knowledge of her history history is and must ever continue to be next to God's word the richest foundation of wisdom and the surest guide to all successful practice practical activity this is one of the reasons why I'm going to focus on using more illustrations from history to help us understand how God works in this world and consequently in our lives. So in today's church service is titled Saved by Good Works or by Faith with a question mark, right? The entire fourth chapter of Romans is devoted to Abraham, right? Whom Paul uses as an illustration of the central biblical truth that we come into right relationship with God by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone, and never by our good works. So let's read Romans uh, chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. What then? It started chapter uh, verse 1. It says, and I'm using the LSV, uh, the LSB, which is the Legacy Standard Bible. I use that a lot. It's one of my favorite Bibles. So guys, if you don't know about the Legacy Standard Bible, go check it out. Um, it's, was, um, uh, it was created by the same people who did the NSAB, which is one of my other favorites. And it's a word for word from the Greek translations. So guys, if you guys don't have the LSB, go get it. I'm not getting paid by the LSB people or by... 316 publishing to even tell you guys this or whatever 
but just go out and check out the LSB Bible. It is an awesome translation and I love it. It says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, uh, has found? For it, Abraham was justified by works. He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wage is not counted according to grace, but according to what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes upon him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted to him as righteousness. That's pretty deep, guys. I mean, it really, really is. So, Jennifer Howe identifies herself as a Christian. She's the 35-year-old former attorney studying Christian counseling at Wheaton College in Illinois. She has gone to church all of her life and is active in the suburban Chicago, uh, suburban Chicago, uh, Chicago church. Her first, uh, she furthers her spiritual development by daily Bible reading, prayer, listening and singing worship songs, interacting with other Christians, and every few months she carves out time for a spiritual receipt. And she says this, I do all these things because I know from past experience I need to recalibrate my mind and my heart to be in tune with God. Now James also identifies as a, himself as a Christian, so attended church as a child, but his attendance was minimal as a young adult. He believes in God and occasionally uh, attends a Presbyterian Church in Manhattan. And uh, when his time, when his time-consuming job as a financial just finance district allows. You know, he does not participate in other activities to further his spiritual life. You know, he has a Bible, but rarely opens it. What leisure time that he has, he spends with friends, most of whom are of different faiths. And he believes, and he does not believe that his God is any different from uh, one of his uh, Muslim friend, uh, one of the gods that his Muslim friend worships. And he says this, I don't think that God would be a God who would shut doors out of heaven because they don't use the word Christian to describe themselves. See, the United States and mainstream media as uh, largely Christian, like between you know 70 and 80%, depending on the study, identify themselves as Christians, right? And compared to the rest of the world, this is certainly the case. However, not all within this vast group of Christians are alike, um, right? So a recent uh, study by Leadership Journal suggested that those who call themselves Christians, there are five kinds. They're active Christians, 19%, professing Christians, 20%, logical Christians, 16%, private Christians, 24%, and cultural Christians, 21%. Now, of these only active and profession Christians said accepting Christ as Lord and Savior is the key to being Christians. That is, more than 60% do not believe that faith in Christ is essential for salvation. Now, according to the Barna study, more than half of all adults, that's 53%, believe that the person, that person is generally good. 
or does enough good things for others during his life and he will earn his place in heaven. So there's a tremendous amount of confusion in our society about how a person comes into a right relationship with God. And I'm not surprised that non-Christians are confused about this either. But, you know, I'm stunned that so many people who call themselves Christians are confused about such a point in the matter, right? <coughs> guys, if you guys want to comment on uh, YouTube and Facebook, please go ahead and do that. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll answer your guys' questions. Uh, for the people that are on the podcast, sorry, you have to go and email me your, your questions and then I'll be able to answer them. <laughs> All right. So, the, the confusion we are dealing with in our day is an age-old confusion that Paul dealt with uh, in his day, right? That is that he, that he wrote this letter to the Roman Christians. See, Paul wrote this letter to the Romans to explain the good news of God. You know, he spent several of the opening chapters explaining mankind's universal sinness and God's supreme wrath and condemnation for our sin. And then, you know, Paul started explaining in Romans 3.21 uh, and onwards um, how God provides his own righteousness to us that we may be able to come in right relationship with him. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the fourth chapter of Romans is devoted to Abraham, right? Paul uses, this, uh, uses as an illustration of the central biblical truth that we come into right relationship with God by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone, and never by works. So in today's, in today's uh, uh, church service, answers this question. Are we saved by works or by faith? So first, we're not saved by works, guys. Right? Paul begins by asking, and he says this, in verse 1 in chapter 4 what then we shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh in effect he was asking because we agree with Abraham is the supreme example of a man who was saved and in right relationship with God why don't we look at him carefully in order to determine how he was saved so let's discover the basis of his salvation, right? Paul is using Abraham as an example of theological truth, right? That the previous chapter, Paul inserted that both Jew and Gentile are saved by faith in Romans 3.30. And also Paul uses Abraham as an example because he knew that this, this was the greatest of the Jewish patriarchs, their forefathers was used by the Jews as a supreme example of salvation works. Paul will demonstrate that to the contrary. Scripture clearly teaches that Abraham was saved by faith alone, right? So Paul goes on to say in verse two, for it Abraham was justified by works. He has nothing to boast about, but not before God. So Paul introduces here that we are called a condition contrary to the fact. He does not say that Abraham was justified by works, but rather it was ju he was justified by 
works, right? The, the language that Paul uses indicates that Abraham was not justified by works. Paul is, 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 is saying that a hypothetical situation is that it is in fact not the case. So what is that case? Second, we are saved by faith, right? And verse three, it says, what does the scripture say, right? So Paul first appeals to the word of God, the divine and infallible truth upon which all of his arguments are based upon. Then quoting Genesis 15, six, Paul writes, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. See, early in Genesis, account of the early Genesis account of Abraham, which begins in Genesis 12, Moses was inspired to write of Abraham that he was made right with God only because of his faith, because Abraham believed God and on no other basis, his belief was counted to him by God as righteousness. Abraham, like Paul, who is writing this letter to the Romans, right? was sovereignty and directly sovereignty and directly chosen by God. Abraham was not searching for God when God called him to follow him. Abraham had most likely never heard of Jehovah, the true God, and was seemingly content with his idolatrous paganism. When Abraham was first called by God, he lived in the city of Ur of Chaldea. You find that in Genesis 11, 31 and 15, 7 which was thoroughly pagan and idolatrous city. See, Ur may have had like, you know, 3 million inhabitants according to archaeological estimates. And it was an important commercial city located on the lower Euphrates River in modern day Iraq, right? About 100 miles northwest of the Persian Gulf, right? The residents of Ur were highly educated, um, and efficient in such as diverse areas as math, agriculture, weaving, engraving, astronomy. The Magi who visited Jesus in Bethlehem most likely were from this region, right? So when God called Abraham or Abram, as he's well known now, uh, his first name was, he was called Abram and then they called him Abraham, right? Um, he gave no reason for choosing him among the other pagans, right? The word of God never gives us a reason for God's choice for Abraham. God chooses Abraham simply because of his own divine will, which needs no further explanation or justification. God called Abraham in Genesis 12 verses 1 to 3 says this, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make uh, your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families on the earth shall be blessed with no guarantees, but God's word, right? Abraham left his business, his homeland, his friends, and most of his relatives, and probably many of his possessions. He abandoned his temporal security for a future uncertainty as far as human eyes could see, 
for his human mind could not comprehend. The land that he was promised to inherit was inhabited by pagans and perhaps even more uh, pagan and, and idolatrous than those of his own home country. But Abraham may have had only a remote idea of where the land of Canaan was and it was possible that he had never heard of it at all. But when God called him to go there, Abraham obeyed and began that long journey. Abraham trusted God to give him a land he had never seen and a, prosper, a prosperity he had, not, he had not yet received. It was in response to Abraham's faith in God that it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham was simply not saved by good works, but he was saved by faith. And in verses five, 4 and 5 says, Know now the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And the one who does not work, but trusted in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted to him as righteousness. See, Paul makes clear that salvation is never by good works. It is only and always by faith. You know, I, I could put it this way. Good works are acceptable to God, provided they are 100% perfect. Now, if you're able to stand before God and produce good works that are 100% perfect, then you will be able to enter heaven. But the truth is that, as we see in Romans 3.10, uh, chapter 3, verse 10 through 12, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. No one is does good. No, not even one. Right? So, the only one who's good works is 100% perfect as Jesus Christ. And God the Father will apply his good works to our account. And we will receive it by faith. That's why we must look to Christ alone for salvation, guys. Right? Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon assumed his London pastorate in 1854. And he was only 19 years old at the time. Right? His church had 232 members at the particular time. So, Many were crowding in in, the, in his auditoriums that he sometimes asked his member to stay away the following Sunday so he can accommodate newcomers. And later in his years, he seldom preached to fewer than 6,000 people. And on occasion, his audience numbered up to 24,000. And all this is before the day of microphones, guys, and before big screens and huge, you know, worship bands and, and, and stuff. So I guess you could say that Charles Spurgeon was the first megachurch, but he did it correctly. See, he didn't compromise the word of God. He didn't compromise to suit people's feelings, right? So, you know, he, uh, you know, he's also become history's most widely read preacher. I've read a lot of his stuff and, and today there is more material written by Spurgeon than any Christian author in any generation. The collection of a Sunday sermon stands the largest set of books by any single author in the history of the church, and he is called the Prince of Preachers. See, on this day, Sunday, January 6th, 1850, that blizzard hit England, and 
a 15-year-old Charles was unable to reach the church that he usually attended. So he turned on down alternatively and ducked into a primitive method of church, finding only a few people standing around the stove. Not even the preacher has arrived. Eventually, a thin-looking man stood up and read Isaiah 45:22. Look unto me, and ye be saved, all the ends of the earth. The speaker, gro uh, groping for something to say, kept repeating this text. And finally, he spied. He 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 looked at young Charles in the back, pointing his bony finger at the teenager and cried. Look, young man, look, look to Christ. And the young man did look, and Spurgeon later said, As the snow fell on my road home from a little house of prayer, I thought every snowflake uh, talked with me and told me of the pardon that I had found. See, arriving home, his mother saw that his expression and exclaimed, Something wonderful has happened to you. And it had, you know, Charles Spurgeon was saved. Not by good works. He was saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? You know, it just takes that little bit of faith. As, as Christ says, the faith is a mustard seed. And then he will do the rest. Guys, when I first got saved, I was broken. I was an alcoholic. Um, I just got my first DUI. Um, I was I was thrashed, guys. I was sitting in a hospital, detoxing from four year bender of alcohol. And then my mom died, and my whole life just crumbled. Yeah. So I went to treatment, got help, and started my journey. You know, God, you know, I really believe that Jesus showed up, you know, at my bedside at the, in the hospital and says, you got, you got two, you got, this is what came to my mind, right? And this is serious. This really came into my mind. He said that you can, uh, you can either leave here and go drink yourself to death or you can go get help and follow me and I'll give you a life beyond your wildest dreams. So I chose the latter. I chose him. You know what I mean? And a lot of people say, well, you didn't chose him. That was already predestined. You're right. It was predestined. I agree 100% with that. But it's that salvation process, guys. Well, we'll get into that later. I don't, I don't want to go on a little tangent. But, you know, I, I, I made that choice to follow him and to chase after God. And my life has been completely, completely, completely. So... As I close, let me suggest five practical, easy to understand applications from James Montgomery Boyce commentary on Romans. Okay. So first, we must affirm the importance of scripture, right? Paul took three chapters of Romans to explain our great needs for and God's perfect remedy for that need in Christ. And here, at the point of proving and clinching his argument, he is ready to base everything he has on the Old Testament verse. There is no need to speculate or argue any further. For us, is the same way. Any clear statement of the Bible should be settled as a matter of which the Bible speaks. 
at once and forever. It does not matter whether we like or dislike or agree or disagree with any teaching of scripture. Our ultimate authority must always be scripture. Second, trying to be saved by good works is hopeless. Abraham was a good man and even a great man, right? Um, He was a model of the Old Testament piety, yet Abraham was not saved by his good works, nor could he be saved by them. Now, if he could not be saved by good works, it is certain that you and I, who are far less pious and godly as he was, can't be saved by them either, right? Third, we can have confidence in the gospel. See, the Lord Jesus Christ testified to Abraham being a saved man, even speaking on one occasion of Abraham's side uh, in Luke 16:22 as a synonym for heaven, right? Abraham was saved, and Abraham was saved not by some ability, godliness, or good works, but by the same gospel that is being preached here today. So you can have complete and utter confidence in that same gospel. It saved him, it will save us, and it can save anybody, right? Now, fourth, we are not saved by the quantity of faith, but by the object of our faith. You know, many many people think that we are saved by the amount or sincerity of faith that, that they have. Now, we are saved we are saved by the object of our faith. That is, Jesus is the object of our faith and is the one who saves. It is vitally important to have our faith placed in Jesus Christ. Abraham often disobeyed God and at times demonstrated very little faith. But Abraham was not saved by the quantity of his faith, but rather by the object of his faith. And his faith was in God. His faith was not in his good works. His faith was not in his own. Uh, his faith was not in his own faith, but rather his faith was in God. And that's how we. That's how he was saved. And that's how we are saved, right? And finally, all this is proof of Christianity's timelessness and validity. If Christianity were merely something founded on Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, it might be interesting, but we would have no more than that ultimate claim upon us than the dogmas of any other human religion. But if, though it was accomplished by Jesus Christ in history 2,000 years ago, It actually, the way of salvation established by God the Father in conjunction with his internal son before the world began through which anyone who is saved has ever been saved was saved, then it is entirely a different matter. This proves that Christianity as the only true faith. Donald uh, Barnhouse, a former pastor of Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, wrote this. All other rich religions are the gropings of man after God. The faith is in, is in Christ, is God's revelation to the truth from himself. In the terms and in the manner he wished to save us to have the truth. 
when I talk to people to see if they understand what it really means to be a Christian, I often ask this question. Suppose you're ready to die tonight and you stand before God and here and he were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Now, the answer that I usually get from this is very revealing. And, and do you know what? The, there's, there's two basically two basic answers, right? One is our faith in Jesus Christ and the other is good works. And of course, only faith in Jesus Christ gets you into heaven. In a Reader's Digest interview in 2001, right? It's decades ago. Um, Muhammad Ali said this, One day we're all going to die and God is going to judge us. Our good deeds and our bad deeds. And if our bad outweighs the good, you'll go to hell. And if the good outweighs the bad, you'll get in heaven. See, Muhammad Ali is, is, is one of the 53% of adults that I mentioned earlier who believe that a person is generally good and does good enough things for others in his life. Then he will earn his place in heaven. Unfortunately, that's profoundly and ultimately wrong. No one, not even Abraham, is saved by works. The only way to be saved is by faith alone in Christ. Now, if you guys have, if you guys are watching this or listening to this, and you guys never done so, never gave your life to Christ, I urge you to do that today, as a thin-looking man did on the day in 1850 to Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Look, young man, look, look, look to Christ. Right. If you do so, you will be saved. You know, a lot of people, I've been reading a lot of people, man, that they don't believe in Christ anymore. And I believe it's the problem in the church. It's the false prophets. It's the false apostles. It's the false teachers that are out there with the word of faith, the prosperity, the Pentecostals. I can go on. Hebrew roots. You know, Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons, you know, Seventh-day Adventists, all these false teaching out there and people and, and, and then the government taking God out of schools and, 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 and the government, right? Guys, I agree with Jordan Riley and I listened to him yesterday. The church and our country are under divine judgment today. Romans 3, 10 through 12 is so obvious today, guys. And we must understand that the church is under divine judgment for the her heresies and the false teachings and the false apostles. You want to you see false prophets? Go to TikTok. <laughs> They're all over. You know what I mean? But it's, you know, that's that's... That's the problem, guys. We need to get a right, we need to be in right relationship with our Creator, with God. Not anything else besides Christ and Him crucified, guys. It's the only way you're going to get saved, is have faith, which is a free gift, by the way. All right, I'm done with this this morning. I hope you guys you know, are getting an understanding.
guys, we got a new uh, website out there. It's for our YouTube um, where they where we consolidated most of our videos and stuff like that. It's called madefreechurch.com, right? Madefreechurch.com. Um, and you can see all of our all of our videos and stuff, you know, on YouTube, Facebook, and stuff like that. Even madefreechurch.org, which has all of our preaching and, and stuff on there um, and stuff like that. So, guys, you can go to all that. Madefreechurch.com, madefreechurch.org. And if you want to see my personal website, you can go to reformedpastor.me. That's reformedpastor.me, okay? Now, guys, we are planning a church here in Idaho, and we do need your support. We just got our building, uh, but we need to get chairs, we need to get a pulpit, stuff like that. So, guys, um, if you guys can support Made Free Church, please go to Made Free Church. There's a giving tab up there. Uh, that gives us a little uh, ID number when you guys donate that uh, goes to Made Free Church Idaho. So if you guys can, that would be great. Uh, and if you guys would like to, you know, support Made Free Church in general, just period, doesn't matter. You know, we do have a little bit of overhead. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, so please leave, even with the Made Free Church Idaho stuff, please leave your um, your email address so we can send you a tax deductible receipt and uh, and guys thank you for being here bless you guys man we love doing this and uh, we're not going to stop so Heavenly Father, we just pray right now, Lord, that you just do a mighty work in today. Lord, bless this week. Lord, let us focus on the things of you and let us worship you with a pure and true heart. Lord, I just pray for everybody on the podcasting and YouTube and Facebook, Lord, that you bless them with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for all that you do, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, you guys have a great, great weekend. God bless.